please stand with us and sing. We're here to worship, we're here to sing your praise, we're here to love you, we're here to seek your face, oh God, let your life fill this place. We're here to worship, we're here to bless your name, we're here to honor our Lord and gracious King, oh God, be in in our praise, oh God, hear our cry, so come and shower down your love, come and meet us with your touch, and heal our hearts with you our thoughts, we're here for only you, oh God. Seek your face, oh God, let your life fill this place. We're here to worship, we're here to bless your name, we're here to honor our Lord and gracious King, oh God, be enthroned in our praise. Oh God, hear our cry. Come and shower down your love. Come and meet us with your touch. Heal our hearts with you, our thoughts. We're here for only you, oh God. So come and shower down your love. Come and meet us with your touch. Heal our hearts with you, our thoughts. For only you, oh God. Amen. And good morning and welcome to worship. Good morning. Everybody seems a little sleepy today, but I'm seeing a lot of blue here, almost as if some people might be a little bit excited about a football game tonight, yeah? And the hats as well, exactly. I know you guys are so excited, and I am praying for each person on the Bills team for you, because I don't believe that God really likes prayers for sports teams to win, but I wonder if there's a little secret. Maybe you, pl- you pray for the individual people on the football team, just a guess, I don't know. I'll be praying with you guys, but welcome to worship this morning, and friends, the peace of Christ be with you all. And let us greet one another, and good morning online. All right, and kiddos, are you guys ready for a children's moment? Yeah, we're a small but mighty group, aren't we? Just, I only count five of you so far. Maybe some more friends will show up. Okay, well, I want to tell you about somebody named Jeremiah. Do you know the name Jeremiah? Have you ever met anybody named Jeremiah before? You have? One of your cousins. Did you know that your cousin is named after a prophet? Yeah, a prophet from
from the Old Testament is named Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was young, and he didn't really like to talk to people a whole ton, but then God said to him, God said, Jeremiah, I need you to go out and to preach to your people and to tell your people to get safely here. Oh, we got a couple more kids. I need you to go talk to your people. But Jeremiah said, no, God, I can't do that. I don't want to go talk to people. Does that, do you guys ever get nervous sometimes? Anybody ever get nervous? Yeah, Jeremiah got nervous and he said, oh, no, God, I can't do that. And God said, but Jeremiah, before you were even born, I chose you for this. And so Jeremiah basically said, oh, fine, God, I guess I will. Now, Jeremiah was nervous to go do what God wanted him to do. But Jeremiah had to go tell his people to run to safety. That was really important. He had to go give his people instruction to help to save their lives. But he was so nervous. So I have a question for you. Do you ever get nervous sometimes? Yeah? Any of you get nervous? Adults, do you guys ever get nervous sometimes? Yeah, we all get nervous, but here's what Jeremiah learned, and I want you to remember this. If you ever get nervous, pray for strength from the Lord. If you ever find yourself nervous about anything, and it's a good thing that you need to do, but you're really nervous, I want you to pray that God gives you strength. And just like God gave Jeremiah strength, God can give you strength as well. So next time you find yourself nervous, what do you get nervous about? Why? Going on stage because I deserve her so then I'm down. Exactly, going on stage. What else do you get nervous about? Yeah. Also stage in the concert. Oh, yes, with a concert going on stage. Anybody else get nervous about anything? Yeah. Ooh, when you have math tests, you suddenly get nervous. You might forget everything, right? Yeah, what else do you get nervous about? Oh, timed test. Yeah, three minutes, that's not a lot of time, so of course you get nervous. You only have one minute. I think those are for sprints, right? When you do those sprints, yeah, is that what they're called? That's what they call them at Dodge. Oh, that, those. Oh, one minute math, and you get nervous with that. Anybody else get nervous about anything? Well, next time you get nervous, here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes for just a minute. Can you do that? Close your eyes for just a minute. Close them tight and say, God, give me strength. Can you say that? So next time you find yourself getting nervous, close your eyes and say, God, give me strength. And just like God gave Jeremiah strength, God will give you strength as well. All right, let's stand and let's say a prayer. All right. Good and holy God, we turn to you today, and Lord, we ask that you help to give us strength. Give these children your strength. Give us all your strength as we can do your work in this world. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. And you can go off to Sunday school. Go, my children, with my blessing ever alone. Waking, sleeping, I am with you. You are my own. In my love's baptismal river, I have made you mine forever. Go, my children, with my blessing, you And now, if anybody has any announcements, you can come forward at this time.
Good morning. Um, I got a nice thank you note from birthday buddies, and then I got a phone call yesterday. They have a new president, a new vice president, and they are back to receiving donations and pulling everything together. So I have the December list, which we didn't collect. So we're going to start with that. And it's plates, cups, napkins, candles, everything that you make a birthday fun. Um, I was talking, her name is Pam Steffen, and she was telling me they got to deliver two birthday gifts for January. And this little girl came home from school having a terrible day saw her birthday package and said, oh, it made my day. It makes me happy. So we are doing some good and helping these kids out. So thank you very much. All right, and now, friends, let us light our peace candle. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we turn to you now, Lord, and we pray for peace. We pray for peace that surpasses all understanding. We pray for peace in our lives, and Lord, we pray that we can be instruments of peace in this world. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a Prepare to do the opening litany. The body is a unit made up of many parts. Are all prophets? Do all speak in tongues? All gifts are different. We are baptized by one spirit and given one spirit to drink. Are all healers? Do all work miracles? All gifts are different. If one part suffers, all suffer with it. When one part is honored, all are honored with it. Are all apostles? Do all interpret? All gifts are different. God has bound us together as the church that we might share the good news that God's kingdom is at hand. Are all leaders? Do all teach? All gifts are different. For we are the body of Christ, gathered in love to worship the one who brings us life. We are the body of Christ. Thanks be to God.
Please be seated. And we have two readings this morning, and our first reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter. We will read from the Gospel of Luke, starting with verse 14. If you, friends, are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. Now, friends, you know that that's not going to do it. Let's try it again. If you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, let's get our hearts ready. Please say amen. That's a little bit better. Okay, starting with verse 14. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all of the surrounding country, and he began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. And when he came to Nazareth, that was Jesus' hometown, when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went up to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all on the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say, to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in a prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and there was also a severe famine over the land. And yet Elijah was sent to to none of them except the widow Zarephath in Sidon. And there were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage, and they got up and they drove Jesus out of town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Our next reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We will start with verse 12 and read through verse 26. It says the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, 
where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has also arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Down at your feet, O Lord, is the most high place. In your presence, Lord, I seek your face. I seek your face. There is no calling, no greater honor than to bow and kneel before your throne. I'm amazed at your glory, embraced by your mercy, O Lord. I live to worship you. your feet, O Lord, is the most high place. In your presence, Lord, I see your face. I seek your face. There is no higher calling, no greater That your glory embraced by your mercy, O Lord, I live to worship you. I'm amazed at your glory embraced by your mercy, O Lord, I live to worship you.
Amen. And let's pray. Holy and loving God, we turn to you this morning. And Lord, we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. We come to you this morning to worship you, to focus on you, to praise you, to know that you, Lord, are greater than all things and all the chaos of this world. So, Lord, we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds, so that all that we do and all that we say while we are here in this place and out there in this world can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So we have two readings this morning, and of course they seem a little bit dissimilar. However, there is a common theme between the two, which hopefully you will understand in just a minute. But let's start by talking about Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth. This is an interesting story, isn't it? Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth. Now this interaction between Jesus and the people of his hometown, not all the people, but you notice this is the people who are gathered in the synagogue that day in his hometown. This interaction occurs in all three of the synoptic gospels. Our synoptic gospels are what? Matthew and Mark and Luke. It occurs in all three of the synoptic gospels. Now, who knows what the earliest of the synoptic gospels was? The earliest written synoptic gospel. Who knows what it was? Mark. I think I may have heard it somewhere. Mark. Mark was the earliest written of the Synoptic Gospels. And so Mark includes this interaction later on in the ministry of Jesus, which to me always seems a little bit interesting that Mark includes this later on in the ministry. And then Matthew and Luke, they, they both had access to the Gospel of Mark while they wrote their Gospels. And Matthew leaves that interaction in roughly the same place. But then Luke does something different. Luke picks up this interaction and moves it to right at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Now, I find this very interesting. And I think that Luke did it to correct this, uh, this little event. Because I think that this probably did happen at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And when we put this together with what we read from the Gospel of John last week, it makes sense as to why this would have happened right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And the reason why is because after Jesus starts his ministry, he gathers his disciples, and then he goes to the wedding at Cana, which we read about last week. He miraculously turns water into wine, and then he and his disciples, we learn in that last verse that we read last week, he and his disciples go where? They go to Capernaum. And so they travel north to Capernaum. So you have Nazareth here, and then you have Cana, and then you have Capernaum up here. And so Jesus and his disciples travel north to Capernaum. But then if we take what we just read today, Jesus says that when he's in the synagogue, that of course everybody's going to say to him, why don't you do all of the miraculous things that we heard you did in Capernaum. So that means that what Jesus must have done, if Luke ordered this correctly, if Luke was kind of correcting a little bit of misorder that it happened in the Gospel of Mark, if that's what happened, then that means that Jesus began his ministry, and then he gathered his disciples, and then he went to the wedding at Cana, where he did his first miracle of turning water into wine, and then he traveled north to, to Capernaum, and then after he traveled north to Capernaum, he returned to his hometown of Nazareth. And there in his hometown, he went into the synagogue, as he always did, and then he read from the scripture and he read that, that uh, the verse that he was called to proclaim good news to 
all and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then as he sat down and said that the scripture was fulfilled, everybody suddenly got jealous. I promise you people got jealous who were sitting there because they started to say, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this the kid that we saw growing up all these years? Then how come God can work through that family and not my family? How come God chose that family and not my family? And so people started to get jealous. They got overwhelmed with jealousy as they witnessed Jesus standing there in the synagogue and as they thought about all of these things that they heard because news traveled fast. So I am sure that the people in Nazareth had heard about the wedding at Cana, especially Cana isn't very very far away from Nazareth. And I am sure that people had heard that Jesus had gone all the way up to Capernaum and done miraculous things. So then suddenly when Jesus returns home and he reads the scripture from the synagogue, somebody got jealous. I promise you, somebody got jealous. And when people get jealous, bad things happen, don't they? Do you ever realize how toxic jealousy can be? Jealousy, I think, can be one of the most toxic emotions that exist here on this earth. Someone gets jealous, and, and then when they get jealous, suddenly they want to put the person down that they're jealous of. In family systems theory, we actually call that sabotage. A lot of times it's subconscious, but so many people do that because jealousy can be such a toxic emotion that suddenly people start to sabotage other people when they get jealous. Well, that is definitely what happened in Jesus' hometown. Somebody got jealous, and then they riled all the others up until suddenly they were almost ready to throw Jesus off of a cliff. That's another event that, that Luke adds. Matthew and Mark, they don't have that part. They just have that they ran Jesus out of town. Luke emphasizes they didn't just run Jesus out of town. They were going to throw him off a cliff. They were going to throw the Son of God off a cliff. Jealousy is such a toxic emotion. I found this quote from someone named Eileen Quinlan. She's a, a psychological person who wrote an article, a psychological article, and she said that jealousy is a dangerous emotion. It can hijack your mind and ruin your relationships because jealousy is a raw emotion that can lead people to do terrible things. And here's another quote for you from psychology professor Robert Leahy, who says, jealousy is an extreme emotion that overrides rationality. Whew. Jealousy is toxic. When all those people in that synagogue that day heard Jesus reading the scriptures and then when they saw him sit down and say this scripture has now been fulfilled in front of you and they heard that he was healing people in a different town but they're sitting there wondering well why didn't he heal me of my disease and as everybody was sitting there they started to get jealous and jealousy is a toxic emotion it can be such a toxic raw emotion that I love how how he says it overrides rationality now just to throw in a little bit of humor here for you 
We don't want to be too heavy today. Just to throw in a little bit of humor, I've got a little confession for you. This is my funniest confession that I will ever offer to any of you. So I've got a confession for you. I'm not going to tell you the whole entire story, but once upon a time when I was younger and I think a little bit less emotionally mature, hopefully I'm getting a little bit more emotionally mature as I get older, but years ago when I was a little less emotionally mature, I got jealous of a person. I'm not going to tell you why. It's not fully my story to tell, but I, I got jealous of a person Only this person was from a different country. So this is confession time. I got jealous of a person who was from another country. And this jealousy was such a toxic emotion that for years, confession, for years, I despised, I disliked immensely a whole entire other country because of my jealousy. Now I laugh about it because it was so ridiculous. Like, can you imagine how ridiculous this was? I got jealous of one person. That person was from another country. So for years, I'm not joking, for years, I joked that I hated that other country. It was so ridiculous because jealousy is a ridiculous emotion. Jealousy just throws rationality out of the door. Jealousy makes us do ridiculous things. In this article that I was reading about jealousy, it actually talks about how jealousy even leads to murder in in marital situations. It can be such a toxic emotion. Jealousy can be such a dangerous emotion. And the people in Nazareth learned that firsthand. They became so overwhelmed with their jealousy that they were going to throw Jesus off the cliff. Now let's change gears. Let's think about Corinth. So our second letter that we read, the the letter that we read, our second reading that we had today came from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians. And in this letter, the, the Corinthians, they were dealing with a lot of stuff. Like as much as I laugh about my little confession, oh my goodness, those Corinthians, they had a lot of, a lot of stuff going on that they were struggling with. And the tor- church in Corinth really needed some guidance. So even though they were struggling, I give someone in that church so much credit for writing to the Apostle Paul and saying, we need help. Thank God that someone in that church wrote to the Apostle Paul and said, we need help, we need your guidance. But one thing that was ruining the community in Corinth was jealousy. Jealousy was ruining the community in Corinth. Some people were jealous of others. Other people were like flaunting all that they could do and all their gifts. They were flaunting it so much that they were making other people feel like they needed to be jealous. And suddenly feelings were hurt and no one was developing in their faith as a Christian. So Paul laid out one basic tenet. He said, we are all one in the body of Christ. You see, the body of Christ, which is the church, we are the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not supposed to be a body that's ever in competition with one another. We, as the body of Christ, we're a family. We're a unit. We're supposed to lead, for example, for those out there in the world to see and to follow. And jealousy, jealousy is such a toxic emotion, and I don't think it's a godly emotion. And jealousy can get inside communities, and it can ruin communities, and it can destroy communities. And so jealousy never belongs in the body of Christ. We are called to be one. And you know what that means? That means when one of us succeeds, all of us succeed. 
succeed. If Ted succeeds, we're all rejoicing along with him. If Lori goes through a heartbreak, we are right there with Lori, there to, there to give her strength while she's hurting. If Doug has a celebration, we are right there to celebrate right along with Doug. We are all in this together. And you've felt that before, haven't you? When one person in the church has something to share, we all are right there with them as the body of Christ. We are called to be in this together, and we're called to be an example for the rest of this world. We are one body in this together to support one another. I was thinking about it with all this football stuff going on. The church is actually called to be like a really good football team. (laughs) Think about it. We all have gifts. I'm looking around, and I see so many gifts in all of you. We all have God-given spiritual gifts. You might not know all of the spiritual gifts, but we all have spiritual gifts, don't we? Nod your head if you, if you just know that you've got a spiritual gift. Maybe you don't realize it all the time. You know, we all have spiritual gifts, and that's why maybe, I, you know, when we were setting up the cameras, I picked up the phone, and I called Zach, and I said, Zach, I need your help. I need your gifts to come help me in this matter. We all have gifts, and we all bring these gifts here to the church. But we're like a really good football team when we're at our finest. All of our gifts are different because who wants a team full of quarterbacks? As amazing as Josh Allen was last week, do we want a team full of quarterbacks? Absolutely not. If you have a team full of quarterbacks, who's going to make the interception? Who's going to catch the passes? Who's going to do the blocks and all that other football stuff and football jargon that you guys know better than I do? Who's going to do all of that stuff if we have a whole team full of quarterbacks? That's why God has given us all different gifts. We don't all have the same gifts. We all have different gifts. We don't want a church full of preachers. (laughs) How funny would that be? We'd all be up here preaching, and and, and who would go out and do the actual work? Because let's face it, a lot of times you guys do a lot more of the work out there in the world than I do. We do not all have the same gifts. We all have different gifts, and yet all of those gifts matter. None of those gifts are more important than any other gift. Not a single gift is more important than another gift. Every single gift matters. All of us matter. All of us come together to be the body of Christ. All of us come together even better than an awesome football team to be the body of Christ. And jealousy, you realize that in a healthy church, jealousy doesn't exist. In this church, you don't find people being jealous because jealousy is a toxic emotion. But the people in Nazareth didn't realize that. The people in Corinth didn't realize that until Apostle, the Apostle Paul kind of straightened them out. The people in Nazareth didn't get that, and they let their jealousy get the best of them, and they almost threw the Son of God off a cliff. Jealousy is a dangerous emotion, and it's not a godly emotion. So as we think about how we are to be an example to the world... And then we fill up our spirits well before we go out there in the world. Let's just take a moment to think about how we always, not just here but out there in the world, need to make sure that jealousy is always an emotion that we've got at check, that we keep in check. Jealousy is toxic. We don't ever want it to become a part of us. Because it's such a toxic emotion, it almost destroyed the church in Corinth. And it almost through our Savior, off a cliff. And let's join in a moment of prayer.
Holy and loving God, we turn to you this morning, Lord, because we know that jealousy is a raw and dangerous emotion. And Lord, we, we ask that you give us strength so everywhere that we are in this world, we can be strong enough to not allow jealousy to enter our lives. Help us to be faithful. Help us to support one another. Help us to celebrate with one another. Help us to, to grieve with one another. Help us, Lord, to be a community of faith that can serve as an example in the world. And Lord, we pray this in every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us worship God with our morning tithes and offerings. Give thanks to the grateful heart, give thanks to the Holy One, give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ, His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong, let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has Let us pray together. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. My friends, Jesus Christ, to God 
blessing of God. Go forth with the love of Christ as one body. Go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all.